Hey guys, I'm Keith. And I'm Jack. Um, and if you notice, um, we're missing Caleb today. And it's our sad news to let you guys know that Caleb uh, suffered a pretty bad accident. He really did. Uh, he was trying to get something off the counter in the kitchen, and his step stool slipped out from underneath him, and he fell from a height of one and a half Tim Herons. Um, it's a pretty big ouchie. Um, it has required two band-aids and I, um, I'd like and us to all juice. come together. Yeah. And, and some, some juice. juice. We're going to need to come together right now for him and send some stuff. So please in the comment section, please send Caleb some love for his big boo-boo and why he can't be here today with us. This Dude. episode, this very sad and very somber episode. I'm not laughing, guys. These are tears. These are, these are real tears. <laughs> these are shaky tears. <laughs> um, this episode, of course, brought to you by uh, Guns.com and Taurus USA. Uh, Rip, Rip Caleb of Taurus USA. And if you, in solidarity with Caleb's uh, very tragic fall from an extreme height based on scale, would like to uh, purchase a wonderful Taurus USA firearm, you may, of course, go to guns.com and do so for, uh, and thank you very, very much for uh, supporting us in this, this trying time of trying time, very trying time. <laughs> um, Caleb listeners. Anyway, let's go on to a more fun topic and that's optics. Jeff. Yeah. Um. So we were in a conversation in the chat this week uh, where somebody brought up that some relation to them was buying their first AR-15 um, and wanted the general vibe of like, what should I, what should I do? What should I, you know, what should I tell them to do? And he had like a rough budget and the chat like very boringly typed out the same answer. As, um, as you do. Because there is the, the, yeah, at this, at there this is point, standard, it, it's the same as like, hey, I'm looking for a handgun, and everybody just Glock 19, man, look at the Glock 19. Yeah, like there was that time period. Uh, now people are like, well, just about anything's okay. Like, don't mm -hmm. don't get too caught up in it. But we both noticed that the recommendation is, you know, a 16 inch gun. Mm -hmm. From just about everybody is is, any, is any, fine. Any reputable manufacturer on this list of two dozen people will be okay. If you want to talk about like specialty shit, like if you want to talk about like I have a very specific job, then we can talk like okay, then this company makes a better gun than this company mm -hmm. for these reasons. That I think is fine. If you are, if you understand what you want that rifle to be able to do. Then we can talk about specialty and manufacturers. If we're, we're just we're talking talk about, yeah, we're not talking a general sense of, oh, well, I want it to be able to do 400, 500. No, you have like size requirements, you have weight requirements, you have probably reticle specific requirements, suppressors, optics, very suppressor, a specific suppressor compatibility because you know how it's going to gas the gun, all of that. If specific you have that, lasers, specific yeah. lights, all that stuff matters. When we talk about stuff that is like niche, that's we're not okay. Talking about that though, we're talking about we're, a gen. We're talking about gen your first purpose gun. gun, first gun, first rifle, first AR fifteen, most things. 
So the thing we noticed that had changed from when we were baby gun boys um, was the optic. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I got into it, um, when I first got into it, I was told, like, irons are required, and then maybe you add a red dot from a reputable manufacturer. Um, and the general I, I remember the days when there were three options for red dots. There was gun sh gun uh, gun show white table special for like forty dollars. Yeah, there was the Bushnell TRS twenty five, and you got an or you got an aim point because you had big boy money. So I was pre Bushnell. I remember what what it was when I started was you bought either a comp m2 aim point or comp in three if you had money mm -hmm. or uh a, a eotech they they were very popular they mm -hmm. still are like we're not saying eotechs aren't popular yeah, look, just, I, dude, just kind of lost I've got them still run them right um or if you were super bougie you had an aim point micro and i remember when you would see one of those you'd be like ooh. And then the Bushnell TR-25 came out, and that was like, it was very like, mm, I don't know if I could trust a $200 red dot. Nowadays, I'm like, man, if I'm paying above four for a red dot, that thing better scratch my back. It better mm, love me. Right. It, it better be Wi-Fi enabled. It better ask me like, oh, it looks like you're on your way to <laughs> your way to work, sir. Um, I will adjust the brightness for the ambient lighting between here and your office. <laughs> right. Um so well, now, it, though, now mm -hmm. we people say go by the LPVO of your choice. Now, I know there's a very small group of people out there. They're like, why well, we have to say LPVO? I don't look. LPVO is the term. It is a scope capable of one power, true one X, um, a, a strong, a strong non disorienting one X. We, we know it's not true 1X, guys. Just right. like there's no such thing as truly parallax-free. We get it. Um, But it's capable of that true 1X. True 1X. A, a 5, 6, 8, even 10. We, we can throw the 10 in there. Yeah, it, up to 10 is where we probably are like the thing starts getting a little big and chunky. Mm -hmm. But... The question was, why that? And the reason is your brand new shooter will get more confidence out of that LPVO than they will a red dot. And um, you're not sacrificing hardly anything. It's a right. little bit of weight and it's a little bit of field of view. But again, this you're learning on it. I learned on the ACOG, which is the most unforgiving eye relief you know, oh, yeah. optic that exists. It's got like an inch and a quarter of eye relief. I learned on that. I learned CQB on that. If it's my first exposure, comparing that and that eye box and that requirement to modern LPVOs, which are much more forgiving and much more flexible in how I get a sight picture and am able to address a target, the LPVO blows the ACOG away. And I still have ACOGs because it's a site I learned on and I do like them. So, and if you sit someone down at their first like range session and they're like, oh, okay, that target is 50 yards away, 50 yards away is not a far target unless it's your first time shooting. Yeah. And then you're like, that's a lot smaller than I thought it would be. It's like, it is, 
but it also it is, until we wink crank this thing up and mm-hmm. now not only are they able to really see the target and what they're doing um they're able to see where their hits are happening mm-hmm. and that's data that they're able to collect and go like oh what does that mean what does this mean what do i need to do here it's like okay we need to make a lot of adjustments we need to change things um but it is it is really helpful for a new shooter and that's so different because i remember seeing the first lpvos mm-hmm. uh the schmidt and biter short dot was the yep. first one i ever saw on a fighting gun and that's a one to four really simple reticle and that thing cost two thousand mm-hmm. dollars when i was seeing them in like 2007 2008 mm-hmm. so if you saw one of those you were like hmm yeah, that you take nice. you take that aim point micro money. You see that Schmidt and Bender shorty, and you were like, "Oh, now we're serious, serious." Because Schmidt didn't make a lot of those, especially the first, the first and second iterations, which they did on contract. And some people in the industry know what contract I'm talking about, but they did it on a contract, and then they shelved the optic. They were like, "Hey, we're done." Yeah, we're, we, we're not we gonna delivered make. the first one. We got feedback. We delivered the second one. Done. Schmidt never intended uh, to make that as a commercial space because they were big hunting glass here. They they were like long zoom, shoot mountain to mountain at moose and elk and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I remember the LPBO progression going thusly. My first exposure to it was the, I think it was the Leopold 1.1 to 8, the CQBSS. I started seeing that pop up, but that price point was still very high. It was still a very expensive optic, same as that short dot in the $2,000 range, if I recall correctly. So it was it was definitely as much or more than rifles. And at the time, you know, making PFC money in the Marine Corps, I'm like, I'm never going to be able to touch stuff that cool. It'll never happen. Right. Um, and then the market kind of cracked with the Vortex 2, the Razor 2, and the Razor 2E. See, I I would say, like, the Razor 2 really was, is probably the middle range between, like, guys, there's some glass out there that's $4,000. Mm-hmm. And it's I've sh- worth it. Yeah, I've shot it. It makes every bit of $4,000 of sense. It is never going to be something I buy. Nope. I'm never buying... I'm never buying dual tube night vision stuff worth of optic. It's not for me. Uh, I don't shoot long range like that. I don't need that kind of clarity. Um, the Razor 2 is 1600 if I remember right. Yeah, you it, can find them anywhere between like 11 and 16 And right. I, I think they're, they're probably MSRP $1599. They're bomb proof. It's mm-hmm. an absolutely rugged optic. It is daylight bright it's the best thing out there for the money like if you want the price point between ability and affordability it's the razor 2 but i don't think that's where we made the shift nope but it is a vortex product that i think made the shift i think it's the strike eagle Mm -hmm. i remember when the strike eagle came out it was a one to six for 350 dollars and i remember thinking i remember hearing about it going like yeah Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I started seeing them everywhere. And my first thought was like, well, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd want one of those. Mm-hmm. That seems 
cheap. And I think a lot of people still struggle with this today, that affordable optics costing less than other optics make you feel like they're not as good. If I put a Strike Eagle 1 or 2 mm-hmm. right next to a Vortex Razor 1 or 2, there's no question in the world that the Vortex is the Razor is better. Mm-hmm. It has better glass, it has a better eye box. But for you, is it that much better? Is yeah. it that much better to have it than this? When the is price point is it worth make or breaking your ability to finish out the rifle to get the razor versus the strike eagle for like, your user case? If money isn't an option, you know, money isn't an you know an obstacle. Not not a problem. Not a problem. Go Worse. go ahead and do it. Yep. But if that nine hundred dollar price gap is your first rifle, you're not really sure what to do. You spend that nine hundred dollars on two cases of ammo mm-hmm. and two thousand trigger pulls with two thousand hits. All that experience is going to be worth way more than the ability to say I have slightly better glass on this gun mm-hmm. and no trigger pulls. And you can get, you can probably get to eighty percent of what the high end stuff is with the affordable stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, are there things they won't do? They're not as bright. They're not as rugged, but that doesn't mean they're not plenty rugged. Like there, the the four hundred dollar scope today versus the four hundred dollar scope when you and I got into this space are completely different items. They're completely different. Yes. The the um, the four hundred to eight hundred dollar price point LPVO right now is actually a pretty quality space, and it keeps getting better. You you can get some of the primary arms offerings, some of the Miopta offerings that are really good, and if you know oh, yeah. what, and if you know what to look for in like a reticle selection, because some of them still have goofy reticles, they're still trying to figure this out. But if you know what to look for in a reticle selection, so like a second focal plane, fiber optic illuminated um, scope from PA or Miopta right now, I'll mention those two guys again, you're not going to spend $1,000 on it, including a mount. You won't break 1000 for that setup, and you'll get a, a 6X, maybe an 8X with a nice, bright, and a usable, simple reticle that is going to make shooting very easy for you. Yeah, improve that feedback, that shooter feedback. I was having this conversation with uh, a buddy of mine, an old Russian friend of mine, um, the other the other week, because he's a big red dot guy still. He's got a lot of red dots and a lot of rifles, and he and I started talking scopes. And he goes, well, wh- when do you think you want a scope? And, and I, I told him, I want a scope. I don't need a scope necessarily, but I start wanting a scope at 50 yards. Because I can get more information, especially on smaller targets. And so if I'm taking a shot at 50 yards or beyond, I start getting to the realm where that scope may benefit me. If I'm beyond 100, it it will benefit me. It will make that shot easier. So thinking about, look, is it doable with a red dot all day long? I've, yes. I've hit 700 yards with a red dot, but that is a tiny ass target. And I'm like, I'm pissing in the wind sometimes sending that round. Like it's, it is a game. It is a hope. <laughs> yep. 
It is it is a gamble. It is a hope. I've I've made it connect, and I felt really good making it connect. But it didn't have the shot confidence that I have if I have a scope. Plain and simple, it just it's not there. It's a long shot. It's a long shot with unassisted eyes. Yeah, um, I haven't made that shot. I think my longest red dot shot is like three hundred yards. And I'm going to sit here and tell you something. Between you, me, and the 30,000 people that watch this on occasion, that shit was luck. That shit yeah. was pure luck. <laughs> Are there people capable of making that shot? All day long. Uh-huh. Is Jack Clemens one of them? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was the second round out, too, and I just went ahead and saved. I was like, you know what? We're just going to call it good there. Yeah. I heard the, F5, you heard the dog. Yeah, I heard the dog. Quick, We're gonna quick call. save. Done. Um, so... This leads to the question, then what do we do with all the red dots? The thing is, the red dot isn't dead. No. It's, it's just roll. moved it's just it's moved over a little bit. Yeah. It's not the first optic you put on anybody's gun. Um it still can be, but it's no longer like we're shifting mentality. It's no longer the most optimum choice, especially as scopes get into that that strong middle price point. It it it's going to limit what you can do with a standard rifle compared to picking up an LPBO. Especially because most rifles are, you know, daytime use, go out, shoot with, have fun with, train with, you know, it it's, we're shifting the role of both these, we're reversing the role. They're, they're yeah. kind of flip-flopping. It's the no longer used like to be the specialist. Yeah. And the red dot used to be the general purpose. And now they're starting to kind of pass on the street here where the LPVO is the general purpose, giving you as much coverage as you can get out of the rifle. And the red dots becoming more specialist because there's yes. still things red dots can do that the LPVO can't touch. It, they just, it just can't. Yeah. I easily. Um, shooting with night vision, mm-hmm. passive aiming with night vision. Passive aiming with night vision, which is frankly, guys, um, is going to become the standard. Yeah. Uh, after after everything we're seeing in Ukraine, after any kind of near peer conflict, night vision is no longer something that only we have. Mm-hmm. I say that in in a large scale section. Like, yeah. um, I am sure if I look hard enough, I can find like a civilian night vision shooting. I'm sure there's one out there. Um. In self defense, there's gotta be one. There's probably I'm sure there's one a bunch out there. Like, like what I'd like boxers, to boxers, nods. And, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it's happened. Uh, I'm sure it's very rare. Um, however, passive aiming through red dots is just going to be the thing. That's what a lot of mounts are kind of designed for now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the red dot has a very good home in specialty roles as offset optics. Um, the Nashville shooter um, was not taken down by an LPVO that you saw on the rifle. He's using an aim point acro P2 in an offset mount. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of people like, yeah, LPVO indoors. It's like, yeah, he had an LPVO, but that's not what he was using. I, It's heavy. It is heavy to make an LPVO and a red dot on the gun. Yeah, you're talking, um, you're talking, you're, probably talking 25 ounces or more adding on to the top of that thing between right. the ounce and putting it on. It's not like, but guys, it isn't heavy either. 
Right. It's not impossible. It is it is heavier. It mm-hmm. is not it's not 308 battle rifle with a 25 round mag and a suppressor and a bunch of other stuff. That's when we get Yeah, it, that's when you're like, hmm. If you've never had a gun that weighed over 15 pounds, you don't know what heavy is in a gun. And 15 pounds isn't a lot. It's just a lot to run around with. It's a lot uh, to carry for a long time. It's a lot for all of Um, <laughs> it's sorry. Uh, there are companies that are making mounts where they're integrated to save the weight. I think those are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, putting the LPVO in a one five mount with a top mounted red dot is having a lot of success for a lot of people. I have not tried it yet. It give it think to me it gives the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. I can get really low, get that good cheek weld, like oh I'm I'm Carlos Halfcock, I'm a send it, and then I can do my heads up. Mm-hmm aware shooting through the red dot um and what a lot of people do is they track moving targets with the red dot and then bring their eyes down to the lpvo to confirm take the shot mm-hmm. when i, I run up- spotting scopes too if you're, yeah. if you're trying to spot in on something i see people co-mount a red dot because it puts you in the realm that way when you drop onto the scope because that spotting scope starts at 20x man that is a narrow yeah. field of view so getting that red dot to get you on target, especially if the the site it's sitting on has more zoom on it. So you're going from your full eyeballs field of view down to whatever that scope is set to. It'll get you on target faster. It'll get you in the neighborhood. So red dots still have a place. They are just, they're no longer really the standard that a lot of people are going to be recommending. Some people may still recommend mm-hmm. them. Um, I just think for the general purpose gun, um, you're going to note, I'm not using the R word, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> having an LPVO doesn't make a gun a recce gun. Um, no. there, I said it. <laughs> um, however, there is a lot of this that has to do with like, what are we getting out of it? What are we recommending for people? Um, if you have a really tight budget, maybe the red dot's a better option. Cause you can get an okay red dot for $150 right now. Yeah um with a mount included yes uh is it the best mount no is it the best red dot no are they both acceptable in my opinion yes (laughs) they will get you there until you have the time like it will it will give you that time and space gap to have a functional system put together until you can then get the item you want it'll it'll make it it'll make it happen so um, I think we've kind of we kind of run this down. Mm-hmm. Our opinion: if you're offering advice to someone for their first new gun, tell them get an LPVO, not a red dot. Look at LPVOs, even if you don't tell them. Hey, absolutely, because if they're set on a red dot, I'm I'm not invest I'm not that invested in making your choices for you. But have them look at LPVOs. I was having a conversation uh, the. It's a few months ago, I want to say the other day, but it's the Midwestern the other day, which is any time in the last nine months um, yeah. with with an old, old, uh, he's a mail carrier now, but he was an old uh, SFG cat. And he's now he's now he's a mail carrier. And he was like, look, these weren't these weren't around when I was in. We didn't have these yet. We were running, you know, dots and ACOGs were the new hotness. How do you like these? And I told him the same thing that you know, you did get a strike Eagle and see, man, get a strike Eagle and see when you, when you find out if you like this or not, especially compared to all the shooting you had done 
previously in that life and that you're accustomed to and you're acclimatized to, but see if the scope's right for you. Then you can make the big investment. So look at LPBOs. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us. Like we said, uh, if you disagree with us, feel free to do so in the comments, but please mm-hmm. do give some love for Caleb, who is trying to recover from his big ouchie. Big ouchie. Big band-aids in the comments. If you can do the emoji, do the band-aid emoji. Yes, please. We got it. Thanks, guys.